Well, good morning, everybody. Good seeing you all here. Welcome to those that are joining us online. Way to make your relationship with God a priority in your life as we gather together and hear from Him and worship Him. Um, as you heard there, this coming week is the week that we celebrate and think and remember this last week of Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, this ministry that took Him to the cross, and we'll celebrate that on Good Friday through remembrance and communion together. And then we'll gather next Sunday, and we will celebrate the day that changed everything. When Jesus defeated sin and death and rose again, we'll celebrate that on Resurrection Sunday. So I want to invite you again. We have 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30. Make it a point to make it here on next Sunday, and then invite somebody to bring with you as well. Let me pray for us as we get started. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to gather. God, we need these opportunities to, to worship together. And we need these opportunities to, to hear from you as we open up your word and we open up our lives to your words. So I pray, Spirit, that you would speak into our lives, remove the distractions of life so that we can hear you and leave here changed as a result. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've been around here for any length of time, you, you hear us from time to time talk about one of our core values is that we are contributors, not consumers. That is, that as we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is a life that was dedicated to serving others. So a few times a year, we want to highlight the ways in which you can get plugged in and serve the body here and also serve the community outside of us. So on your way in, you should have received one of these cards. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that here in just a little bit. But I want you to keep that close by. We want to give you guys an opportunity to, to see some opportunities that you can get plugged in to begin to, to serve the body of Christ here at River Ridge. All right, we're going to jump right in. We're going to continue in this year-long series called Relevant. And if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll get there in just a few minutes. And as you're turning there, I want to set the scene for what is happening. Um, Moses comes to the edge of the promised land, this frontier that he's been looking at, and he gathers the entire nation of Israel. And as he's looking over them, he realizes that this is a very significant moment. Forty years previous to this time, God had led them to this same spot. And he had promised that he was going to give them the promised land, the, the, the land of Canaan. But some of the leaders came back from a reconnaissance mission into the land. And when they came back, they had this fear-based report. And fear went through the, the people. And as a result, these, the, the nation of Israel turned against Moses and then they refused to trust God and as a result of that God said I'm not letting this generation enter into this promised land so for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness until that generation had died and now God is once again set to take them across the Jordan River and to give them this land that he describes as flowing with milk and honey and they're about to enter into this land and enter into a culture that is completely different than anything that they'd ever experienced. And while there are all these potential blessings that are awaiting them there, there are also a lot of pitfalls and a lot of distractions that, that could lure them away from a relationship with God. So Moses gathers them together, almost as this father figure in their life, and he reminds them of the commands of God, and he reminds them of the promises of God, and he reminds them of the faithfulness of God and all that he has done for them. And then he gives them some insights that, that will help them remain faithful to God and also to pass along their faith to the next generation. And he's going to challenge them that they have a responsibility to pass along their faith to those that follow after them. And that's true for us too. That, that as we remember and as we 
reflect on the faithfulness of God and all that he has done for us, the fact that he has saved us and rescued us and redeemed us and given our lives purpose, the only fitting response is that we would not allow our lives to be a dead end to that good news of God's grace. I'd say it like this. The faith that comes to you should pass through you and reach the next generation. That that's the responsibility that we have as believers, that our lives are not meant to be a dead-end street to the good news of what God has done in our lives, but it's meant to pass through us, and that we are able to pass that along to the next generation. So this morning, we're going to talk about how to influence the next generation to have a genuine faith, a, a faith that is marked by, by knowing who God is and his character and loving him with all that they have. If you're a parent whose faith is important to you, that, then you probably feel the weight of this statement and this commandment of God, because while parenting can bring so much joy in our lives, it's also filled with a lot of anxiety, a lot of second-guessing, a lot of times feeling like, like you're a failure as you're trying to navigate all the different challenges that each age and stage brings. Like when, when they're little, it's just it's physically exhausting. They, when they're newborns and you're trying to figure out sleep schedules and sleep times for them and sleep times for you, and you're, you're wondering if you're ever going to get another seven hours of sleep ever in your life. And then it doesn't get much better when they get in the toddler years and you're dealing with all these behavioral issues and, and the temper tantrums and you're spending all this time trying to, to discipline and, and make sure that, that you're correcting them in the right way. And they get in the elementary school years and, and now you're trying to navigate not just behavior but also attitude. And how do you juggle the schedule and how do you challenge them properly in school and in sports and other things? And then with teenagers, the stakes get even higher with, with friendships with dating relationships, with, with trying to figure out what's next and what college to go to. And if those early years are, are physically exhausting, parenting teenagers is, is mentally exhausting. And the fact is, is, as we go through all of these things, we don't know what we don't know. And we're kind of making it up as we go. Uh, I've often thought that it'd be really nice if God just gave us a manual for each of the kids. So we actually know how to parent each one. Um, our oldest, Aaron, will sometimes complain when he sees the way that we parent uh his youngest brother daniel and he's like you would never have let me get away with that and and i will tell him i'll tell you what there were some mistakes that were made while we were parenting you but here's the good news you survived and we got better at parents so thank you for your help Aaron. <laughs> he doesn't see it quite the same way that i do but, and, and the thing the truth is that, that we could all share stories of how difficult parenting is and how it can take us to the end of our ropes and make us pull our hair out. And the, re and the fact is, the rest of our, our lives don't slow down either. We're trying to do all these parenting things while still juggling going to work and paying bills and getting the kids to the right place. And so we juggle all that together and we say, God, listen, I'm barely keeping my head above water just trying to parent. How is it that you are entrusting me to also shape their faith? It just seems like too much. And then you add to that that we realize that our time with our kids and the time that we have to be able to influence a lifetime of faith, it's defined. We, we have 18 years with them, 936 weeks before they turn 18. And that seems like a really long time at first when, when, they're, when they're young. Um, but I heard someone say one time that the days are long, but the years are short. And I, I think that identifies this tension, this angst that we feel a, as parents, that there are days when it seems like we get nothing done but discipline and correcting and cleaning up, and it seems like that's never going to end. 
And then you blink a few times, and you're like, where did the time go? Like I, Our oldest just turned 21, and he's going to graduate college in three weeks. And I remember vividly bringing him home from the hospital. And then I start thinking down the road, and like within three years, Ben and Annie will be out of the house, and we'll just be Daniel, and he'll be in middle school. It's like, holy cow, time just flies by. And it's easy to get caught up in the busyness of life, and it's easy to pick up the standards of success that culture gives us and says, this is what successful parenting looks like, and to think that successful parenting is all about making sure that your kids excel at school or they excel in sports and make the all-star team or they have the right experiences or they choose the right career or they marry the right person. And these are all good things. It's just that they're not the most important things. And what Moses is going to remind us today is stay focused. Stay focused. Remember that your primary responsibility is to leave a legacy of faith to the next generation. That the faith that came to us is meant to pass through us and reach the next generation. So I'm going to talk through Deuteronomy 6, just a few verses here, and look, look at three principles from this passage that will allow our faith to pass along to the next generation. And these are not limited to just parents. If you have any influence in the life of a, a kid or a next generation, you're a grandparent, you're a coach, you're a teacher, you're a small group leader, these principles apply to you as well. So Deuteronomy 6, chapter, or verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. This passage is known as, as the Shema, and it gets its name from, from, that, from this first word in Hebrew, here. Here is the Hebrew word for Shema. And, and the Jewish people see this verse as essential and core to their identity, so that they will recite it, even to this day, they'll recite it at least once a day to remind themselves of who they are and who God is. And so Moses is setting up this generation of Israel to understand how it is that they can pass along their faith. And he says, hear, O Israel, meaning don't miss sight. Don't lose sight of this. Don't forget this. In other words, Moses is saying, everything hinges on what I'm about to tell you. And he says that, in essence, it would be heartbreaking for you to go into this land and experience all of the blessings that this land will give you and the prosperity of living in this land flowing with milk and honey, only to lose sight of the fact of who it is that you are called to be, and that is to know and to love God and he gives these descriptions of God. He says, "The Lord our God, that that He is a, a personal God to them. That He's not some distant cosmic being who just set the world in motion and let them be." No, He says, "No, this is our God." And he says that the Lord is one. That He is the one and only God, and He is the one thing that should drive everything in your life. And if that's true. If you see this personal God as the one that you want to follow, then your life should be marked by love, that, that you would pursue a personal relationship with God, that you would love him with all that you have, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, that, that you would allow his commandments to be on your hearts. That, that is, that God wants this reality of this relationship and these uh, commandments that are given out of that relationship to be lodged so deeply in your heart that it changes everything about everything. Moses starts off, and he says, leaving a legacy of faith to the next generation begins with the parents 
relationship with God, that, that these commandments are to be on your hearts before you can impress them onto your kids, that you can't pass along what you don't possess yourself. So that's the first principle for us, that, that if we want to leave this lasting legacy of faith, then we need to model a personal faith to them. As parents, we are the biggest influencers in our kids' lives. We are shaping our kids' values. We're shaping how they, how they see the world. We're defining for them what is success and what isn't success in this world by our words and by the way that we spend our time and the way that we spend our money. We are telling them this is what's important in life and this is what's not important in life. And your kids have a front row seat to your faith. The fact is that the kids aren't always great listeners, but they are really good imitators. And they are looking to you to see the example of what a thriving, vibrant faith looks like. And they're going to pick up some faith cues about how we live. And if we want to pass along what a personal faith looks like to God, then we want to have to model that for them. They need to see what that looks like in the ins and outs of the day. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a perfect faith. But what it does mean is that you have a growing faith that's lived out in front of them. They, they need to see a faith that is real. Are you going to have it all together every time, every day as a parent? No. But I think it's as important for them to see how your faith impacts those hard days of parenting as much as the good days. They, they need to see a faith that's authentic, one that goes with you in the ups and the downs of life, one that is there when you have doubts, when you have disappointments with God, that they can see how it is that you struggle with God and push through those times of doubt and disappointment. They need to see how your faith affects the way that you pursue God, affects the way that you love your spouse, the way that you spend your money, the way that you serve others, the, the way that you extend grace and forgiveness to those that have blown it to you. And you see a faith that, that seeks forgiveness when you're the one that blows it. We aren't called to be perfect, but we are called to be growing in our love for God and love, and love for people. So, so make your relationship with Jesus, the cornerstone of your life. Make it a personal, striving, efforting kind of relationship. Because here's the thing, is that an authentic, personal faith that's lived out and modeled in front of them will deeply impact and influence the future generation's faith as well. So after Moses calls them to a personal faith, he, he continues on, and he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That, that word impress, it literally means to repeat. And it comes from this root word to sharpen. And so what Moses is saying is that if you're going to pass along a, a lasting faith to your kids in the next generation, then it's going to require repeating yourself. It's going to require repetition and effort. And he says that you're to do this at home and when you're away, when you get up and when you lie down. In other words, what Moses is saying is that you need to bring your faith into the, to the everyday moments of life, the everyday movements of life, and you need to be intentional in your spiritual leadership of them. So that's the second. If, if we want to leave a, a legacy of faith, then we must create an intentional rhythm. The fact is that, that most kids won't drift into a, into a strong faith. So we have to be intentional about what it is that we pass along to them, especially in the world that we live in. 
especially in this fast-paced culture that we find ourselves in, that, that we have to make a plan and then we have to work the plan. Otherwise, it's just going to get crowded out by the busyness of life. And this rhythm that we're talking about, it has to extend beyond Sunday morning. I mean, I, I applaud you for, for making coming to church a priority. It, it is a priority. It should be a priority. And, and we want to be able to come alongside of you and partner with you as you begin to pass along your faith to them. But what Moses is saying, what we have to embrace is that as parents, we have the primary responsibility and the greatest influence on our child's life and faith. If you think about this, that if you are super faithful and coming here on a Sunday morning, and you get here three times a month, what that means is that, is that our team, that we will have your kids for 36 hours a year. In comparison, even if you take out sleeping and going to school, you will have over 3,000 hours a year to be able to impact and influence your kids. And here, here's the thing. I want you to hear us. We, our Ridge Kids team and our student ministry team, we will do everything possible to make those 36 hours the best that they can and to leverage that time with your kids. But you have so much more available time to influence them and to impact them. So what Moses is saying is you need to, to leverage those 3,000 hours, that, that unstructured time in, in your kids' lives to teach them and to reach them. And some of that rhythm is finding these, these teachable moments in, in everyday walk of life. He says that when you're at home, talk about faith. Let leverage those morning routines as you're having breakfast together. Let leverage the meal times together. Let leverage the, the times when you're laying them down at bed at night that, so that you can consistently point their hearts towards God and, and that you can share your own faith journey with them in real time. So what would it look like to start the day praying with your kids at the bus stop or on your way to the bus stop that, that you can give them a bit of a vision for the day for them that to, to, to remind them, you know, God has a purpose for your life, that, that you have some opportunities today to, to love people well, to be kind to them, and to point them to Jesus. But for our family, we, we have made dinner time a priority, and most days a week, we are gathering around the, the table and having dinner. And, and not every conversation is this deeply theological conversation, but it is an intentional time for us to, to sit down together to pause in the busyness of day, to, to thank God for his goodness in our lives and, and to check in and to see if there's anything going on that, that we can speak into each other's lives. When you're on the road, talk about faith. I, I know most, if not all here, you, you're always scrambling around with your kids or your grandkids taking them to this practice or that practice. What would it look like to leverage that time? You're already on the road and begin some spiritual conversations with them and see where those kind of conversations go. But not only do we need to create these rhythms to, to teach our kids about faith, we also need to create some intentional rhythms where we can reach our kids' hearts. We need to leave no doubt in their minds that they are loved unconditionally. We need to give them time and attention. We, we need to have this quality, unstructured time where we are entering into their worlds, where they know that we see them and value them. Because here's the thing, that the quality of our relationship with our kids determines the level of influence that we'll have in their lives. The, the, the quality of our relationship determines the level of influence that we have in their lives. And so with, with each book read, with each game played, with each reassurance of my love for them, I, I'm making a deposit, I'm making an investment in the relationship so that when they have questions, 
when, when they have doubts, when they have concerns, when, when they are facing temptation, they, they know that they can come to me because I've earned that right, and I can have an influence on the decisions that, that they're facing in life, and I can point them towards God. So, so we model this personal, vibrant faith in front of them, and then we create these intentional rhythms where we're teaching them about God and we're reaching their hearts so that they know that they are loved. And then this last principle may seem a bit contradictory at first because of the level of influence that we have, because while you are the single greatest influence in your child's faith journey, that won't be enough. And as much as you are called to be the primary voice of influence in their lives, you cannot and should not be the only voice of influence in their lives. That's what Moses is saying here in verse 4. He says here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He doesn't say here, O parents. He addresses the entire nation, the entire faith community. Moses passed along these values to the entire community because he knew, he understood that it would take multiple influences, that it would take multiple voices in the lives of the next generation to guard their faith and to grow their faith. If you are a parent, Moses is saying that, that you are not alone, that in your efforts to leave a legacy of faith, we actually need other people. We actually need other voices. In other words, we need to widen the circle of influence. We, we need to invite other people into our kids' lives and to broaden this range of influence. Kids, teenagers in particular, they're dealing with a lot of adult types of decisions these days, and they need to have a place where they can process that. As a church, we've made a commitment to, to make it easier for parents to widen the circle of influence in their, in their kids' lives. We, we do this by, we provide and we elevate community. Each week, if you go into any of our environments, from preschool all the way up through high school, what, what you'll find is a time where they gather together in a larger group and they hear a teaching. And then we push them into small groups that have a consistent leader so, so they can begin to process the truth of Scripture in their lives in the context of community with, with a caring leader and then with a group of friends that are running in the same direction. So from an early age, these kids are, are learning what real community looks like and that there are other adults that they can trust. Because when you widen the circle, the goal is to have trusted adults in their lives before they need them, so that when they need them, they already have those relationships formed. Because they're going, there's going to come a time when you won't be the cool one in their life, that, that you won't be the smart one in their life, that you won't be their hero any longer. And they're going to need other voices and other people that they can turn to. And in that day, you will be glad if you embrace this value, this principle of widening the circle of influence, because then you'll, have, you'll know that you have some other trusted adults in your kids' lives who embrace the same values as you do and will say the same thing to them as you would. We need the, the larger community of faith to, to be a part of, of leading our sons and leading our daughters into what it means to follow after God and to love him with all that we have. I know our family... Um, we have been blessed beyond measure to be a part of this church over the years. Um, over the years, we have chosen to do this very thing. We've intentionally widened the circle, and we have partnered with small group leaders to help raise our kids in the gospel so that they can understand 
and embrace all it is that God has created them to be. And right now, each of my kids have multiple voices in their lives that are saying the same thing, and it's because we have chosen to widen the circle. And they now have these trusted adults in their lives who have seen their own responsibility and have answered the call to help us raise and point our kids to follow after God. The Bible clearly says that, that reaching the next generation is an all-skate. It, it's, a, it's a team sport that requires the entire faith family to be a part of it. We could say it this way. Here, O River Ridge, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We need your help. And we need each other if we are going to leave a lasting legacy to the next generation. I want you to take out that um, relevant faith card that you had, that you got when you walked in. It, and if you're visiting with us, if you're still trying to figure out if River Ridge is, is church home for you, you get a pass. This is, this is more of a family conversation right here. But if you call River Ridge home, then I want you to hear this, that, that you have a role to play. What Deuteronomy 6 is saying is that you have a role, that we have a role and a responsibility to pass along our faith to the next generation. And we're a pretty big church now. And, and sometimes when you look around and you see a lot of different faces, you can make this assumption that well, somebody else will do this. Somebody else will fill in those gaps. And I want you to hear me say, we, we need you. And I would say as important, if not more importantly, you need this. Your story of God's grace can't end with you. The, the message of God's grace and faith comes to you to pass through you to reach the next generation. So I want to give you the opportunity to, to, to be a, a part of a team, a serving team somewhere in the church that, that is actively sharing God's grace, that's actively passing along the love of God to those that come here on a Sunday morning. The other thing that happens in a church our size is that sometimes people look around and they see things working so smoothly that they just assume that they're not needed. And we have a great team of leaders that, that sacrifice week in and week out to make sure that things do go smoothly around here. But the truth is that over the last six or nine months, the, the attendance around here has grown dramatically. And every one of our serving teams now is stretched more thin than it was six months ago. And we, and we need your help. And there are all kinds of ways that you can get plugged into. You can see all kinds of ways. Guest services, parking team, security team. There are all kinds of ways that, that I would invite you to be a part of what's going on around here. But, and I would say each of those have openings. Each of those have needs. And they would love to have you be a part of it. And you would find that as you embrace that, um, that, that you find, you'll find that your, your faith will grow as well. But if you were to ask me where our most critical needs are, it's, it's in small group leaders. Um, we need men and women and couples, um, empty nesters, to, to pour into the lives of the next generation, to, to pour your faith and your experiences into the next generation. We need 12 preschool small group leaders. We need 25 in the kindergarten through fifth grade spaces. We need eight middle school and high school small group leaders, men and women, to, to understand the role that you can play in setting a, a life of faith for the next generation. And we want to be able to help you do that. Here's the thing. When you fill out this card, all you're committing yourself to is a phone call from a ministry leader. 
They want to give you a call, answer whatever questions you might have, allow you to shadow for a week or two, make sure it's a good fit for you, and they're going to train you and equip you to make sure that you're ready to go. And we have a great team that that's, uh, sits behind the scenes that does all the prep work for you. They, and when you come in, what they, what they will allow you to do is to come in and focus in on the most important thing, these building these life-changing and faith-shaping relationships with these kids. As you're thinking about how you want to get plugged in, I, I want, to, um, want you to look at a video uh, of Jenny's story and how God has been using her to reach and to impact the next generation. Take a look at this video. My name is Jenny Sample, and I serve in 45 with Rich Kids. Serving at church is, for me, it's the way that I like to give back to God. It's um, a form of showing my gratitude for what He's done for me, and I want to give back in areas that I'm able to give back to the Lord. And the youth leaders in my life at my church growing up had huge impact on me. I can still remember their names, and I'm thankful that they had that had that time for me in, in that stage in my life. And so I just feel like kids are kind of my knack. So that's where I've chosen to, to serve and give back to God at church. When I first started serving in Ridge Kids, I was in the preschool group. And after doing that for a couple years, I felt like I just wanted to maybe try out an older group of kids. My second or third year doing that, God brought me this group of girls that just absolutely melted my heart. I don't know, there was this connection with them that just, I just felt like was definitely from God. I was so excited to go in and see them each week and just started really getting involved in their lives. And uh, I started feeling a tug from God that maybe I could start to move up with them and that maybe I was meant to kind of stay with these girls and grow with them and mentor them. So I did a lot of prayer. Um, I reached out to some of the other ladies um, that are in charge of the Ridge Kids and asked them to pray. I just felt like that was God, what God was wanting me to do. And whenever I finally decided that I was absolutely doing that, I was excited to share that with my girls. Their excitement that I was gonna move along with them the next year um, was just my final and absolute confirmation that I was supposed to be doing that. Having a relationship with them and watching their faith grow is just one of the biggest blessings that I've ever had. Their prayer life, when they pray for us at the beginning of class or at the end of class, watching how their prayers have um, matured and grown when they pray is just beautiful. I have been privileged to see these girls make decisions for Christ. Um, I have seen a couple of, a few of them actually baptized. It has encouraged me to make sure that I walk closely with the Lord as well. Um, it motivates me to make sure that, that I am walking the walk and not just talking the talk with them. I try to make sure that I keep a standard as well that I would you know, ask of them and teach them to do. The glory is, is all to God and it is all His work in me to serve them and um, I hope that they see that. It, it takes all of us 
working together, embracing how it is that God has shaped us in ministry to reach the next generation. They need you. We need you. And you need this. God's gospel of grace came to you, to flow through you, and to reach the next generation. And we are committed to doing whatever it takes to reach the next one, to reach the next generation. And all of these serving teams work together to be able to allow people to experience God's love and God's grace in their lives. And we'd love to have you join us in that mission. Fill out that card, drop it off, uh, and the doors on the way out and the buckets on the way out, and we will get you guys plugged in. We'll get you trained, and you get to experience firsthand what it means to be used by God to reach the next one with his, his truth and his grace and his gospel. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that, that you would Im impress on our hearts this truth that you have given us an opportunity and a role and a responsibility to allow our faith to impact those that follow after us. God, as we look at our lives, help us to model what this personal relationship looks like as those that are looking in can see how our faith impacts the ways that we walk. Help us to be intentional and in how it is that, that we teach our kids the truth about who you are and what life to the full looks like as we follow after you. And then help us to be intentional in reaching their hearts. Help us to understand and embrace the, the influence that you have given us and to pass along what a lasting faith looks like. And then God, help us to remember what it is that you've called us to be to be a part of, of your mission in whatever way that is. So God, give us clarity of how it is that you want us to, to be a part of your mission moving forward. We do thank you for the front row seat that you give us of lives that are being changed as they impact, as you impact them and reach people for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for coming out, everyone. Uh, take those cards, drop them in the buckets on the way out, and we'll see you back here next week.